Well, welcome back to our final episode of our Enneagram series, where we take a look at not just the numbers, but we take a look at the subtypes behind those numbers. And once again, I'm joined by Mitch Comstead. How are you doing today, man? You know what, Nick? I'm doing... It's Wednesday. I'm doing fantastic. You were just mentioning, though, that it is Wednesday. It is Wednesday. You're having a little bit of a hard time right now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I didn't think we were going to talk about that. Yeah, I'm not having the best day. Do you, do you have a question about it? Nope. I'm just making a statement. My day is great. Your day is, it doesn't sound like it's going that well. Yeah. It's just, uh, I've been running late all day. That's, that's the way that today has felt. Yeah. So, but I'm, 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 I'm getting, how, are you, how are you doing? Nick? I'm working through it. I'm good. I'm tired. Okay. School started with the kids. Yeah. You know, so it's like, everyone's going to bed a little, you know, probably later than we should be. And then the, the, each morning is early. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so everyone's just tired yep. in our house right now. But, Can I tell you a crazy story? Yeah. Well, no, no. First, I have to welcome you. Nicole, <laughs> we, we didn't even, we're, we're sitting there talking. I'm sorry. <laughs> we don't even I'm exist. Sorry. Please welcome Nicole Matt. Thanks for being on the show today. Thanks for having Thank us. Thank you. Absolutely. Now, please, please, now that you introduced, <laughs> tell me your story. So I get home from work yesterday. It's yeah. like five something. I make dinner and I go up to tell my girls in their rooms that dinner's ready and they're both sound asleep. Wait, what wow. time? Five something, six o'clock. <laughs> Exhausted. And I got up Wiped this morning and my oldest who's 16 says, I slept really great last night. It was like 12 hours. I'm like, oh you slept from five to five. Oh, so when they, yeah. so when they went to bed at five, they didn't wake back up Correct. last night. That's crazy. Wow. Which is not my Damn. kids. They're yeah. night owls. Like mm-hmm. I used to be the night owl in our house. And now that I have teenagers, I'm like, yeah. guys, I'm going to bed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Can't handle it. But. It's a lot. 12 hours last night. So school's a lot for them. And you have too. two te- teenagers. Two teenagers, 14 and 16 year old girls. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a thing. Uh-huh. Uh, just this morning. Um, so my third is, I mean, she's like approaching the teen years. And I was saying that to Amanda. She's like, I, I'm not ready for another teenager. And she was like, but I guess if it's our fault. I mean, like <laughs> we should have talked to someone about family planning or something like that. But uh, yeah, we've done it to ourselves. Mm-hmm. But Matt, your kids are younger. Yeah, you have two as well. Yeah, one and a one-year-old and a four-year-old. Uh huh. Yeah, so it's with with very, more on, more on the way. Wow! Maybe, congratulations. Okay, so it's still a possibility. It's up in Is the that, air. Okay, you know. Uh huh. They're they're the most peaceful thing in my in my life right now. as kids. <laughs> the kids are. So just just add some more. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. it doesn't just get easier the more you have. Just, no. just, I feel like someone needs to say that. <laughs> I was really hoping. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, let's get something. Uh-huh. Well, um, guys, thanks for, for joining us. The conversation about Enneagram nines. I've been looking forward to this one. I imagine Mitch can correct me if I'm wrong, but this is, this is, uh, a, an episode that I could just say whatever I want and you guys will just go along with it. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Okay, is that the way? That sounds it works? really good. That sounds like a good plan, Nick. We should do that. <laughs> we should. And we've been we've been hinting at this from the beginning, but uh, Mitch, you are uh, you identify as an Enneagram Nine, so we have three three yep. of you. It'll be interesting mm-hmm. to see as we go into the subtypes to figure out: do we have all three represented, mm-hmm. or you know? I, so actually, I want to make a comment before we jump into do the Enneagram stuff, but I'm more just out of curiosity. Um, Nicole, you mentioned that you used to be the night owl in your house. Uh, Matt, are you more night owl or early morning person? I'm, I'm night owl. Yeah. Yeah. So am I. I prefer the night owl. I, I wonder if 
the majority of nines like that, like late night thing, because it is, that's a peaceful time just to mm. themselves. Mm-hmm. The I don't know. The house is quiet. I yeah. used to bake late at night, like midnight. I would start baking because the house was quiet. You're famous yeah. for your, your, your bake, <laughs> baked goods, right? I don't know about famous. <laughs> Around feel, these parts, if, maybe? Yeah, yeah, famous on the staff. <laughs> gotcha. So is that why you like uh, staying up late? Yeah, I think so. I just was, refl- this morning I found out I bought a uh, shoe powder for $22. And I did it at night. What do you? So sometimes my like, I like my peacefulness, but my productivity is not great. Gotcha. So it's 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 nice to be like I got my time for myself. When do the kids but, go to bed? Uh, anytime between seven and nine thirty. Okay. So that's when if they stay so up till nine thirty, it's like it takes a while before yeah. things actually yeah. settle down. Yeah. That's when I get my online shopping. Mm-hmm. That's when and you, then you don't remember, you don't remember what you buy. I don't it remember what I It's the wrong price. <laughs> Twenty-two dollars. <laughs> it's really that's nice foot powder. Yeah. No, it's not. It's wow. not. <laughs> All right. So um, before we, well, I'm curious from you guys. What is what's your experience with the Enneagram? Have you like known about the Enneagram for years? Is is this a new thing? Did you take an assessment? What was your experience like coming to the Enneagram? I'll go first. Yes. Um, I've known about the Enneagram, I don't know, four or five years. Was with some ladies at a retreat, and one of them was talking about it. And of course, I was curious what is this Mm -hmm. Enneagram thing? So she sent me a link to a test. I took a test, and it said I was pretty much a two. I was like, okay, well, that makes sense. Um, But the more I heard about the Enneagram and read and talked to people, the more I was like, well, the things that stand behind a two are not really me. Um, cause twos really do things to help others that are more looking for affirmation and things like that. And that's mm-hmm. not why I you didn't ident- identify with that. that piece was like, no, this doesn't, this doesn't fit. That's not me. Mm-hmm. So then I read the Ian Morgan Crone book and was like, oh, nines, there's a checklist like on each number every single one of the descriptors of the nine was like, oh yeah, that's, that's for sure mm-hmm. me. Whereas the two, any of the other numbers, there were at least, you know, four or five that didn't really describe me, but the nine, every single descriptor was oh, dead on. So that's an interesting, cause I've had recent conversations with people that have just taken a, a, a test and they say, this is, this is what I am, you know, and it's their first dipping their toe in the water. And I've said to them like, Hey, but, don't just take the test. Like you need to you know, study it some more and research it. And they're like, what, what does that look like? So I'm curious, Mitch, you can jump in as well. Mm-hmm. What does that look like? What would you encourage someone to do? Obviously you said you read a couple books. What, what's your recommendation for people to get more information? So they, they are more confident in the number that they uh, identify with. I think a general book, like Mitch, I can't road re- back I, to you. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> like I cannot remember the name of it. Um, a general book that gives a good overview of all the numbers yeah. and kind of a checklist for each one. Like, do you identify with these mm-hmm. you know, points about each number and then talking to someone really, I think I've learned the most in the last year talking with Mitch and some other people around the Enneagram and really discovering, um, you know, who, who I am at the core rather mm-hmm. than like the things that I do. Yeah. I think that's a good way to put it. And earlier you said w- the things that stood behind the the two, yeah. you didn't identify with. So maybe some of the behaviors, maybe some of the thoughts um, around a number might be similar across multiple numbers, but some of the motivations, 
and some of the maybe the whys uh, or, or just they don't they don't line up. Yeah, but you start to to unveil more, I guess. Matt, what would you say? What, what's your experience? Yeah, uh, I think we were either watching football or Gilmore Girls. <laughs> and and Ash, is, Ash is like, my wife is like, hey, there, there's this Enneagram thing I think you should take. So we're watching whatever, one of those two. And I'm taking the Is that the all test. you guys watch? At the time, yeah. We <laughs> okay. had no, it was like, I think we might, we maybe were married a year or two. Okay. And so, uh, yeah, that's all we watched. Huh, okay, but cool. I take this test and she's like, okay, great. So she starts reading me the results. And I'm sitting there just kind of like jaw dropped. Called me a sloth. <laughs> she did or the assessment did? The assessment. Okay. They're very sloth-like. They're lazy. They got, and it, it was like, I've always taken these tests, and they're like, they're really great at this. They should go and do these. All those strengths and stuff, yeah. <laughs> and so there's a part of me that was like, I kind of like that this is not just feeding ego right. of what mm-hmm. these numbers are, but it's kind of it's kind of calling me out, and do I really do that? Mm-hmm. So that was my first one was, um, yeah, Ash helped me. But when so when it said the the sloth thing, I mean obviously that stings. Yeah. But were you were you just offended? Like how did you take that? Uh, I didn't like it at first. I think we we met, I think I got pretty defensive. Okay. Where I was like, this is not true. This ain't true of me. Uh huh. And then we talked about it, and I was like, oh, I can I can start. We, well, I actually slept on it. Mm-hmm. And the next day, I was like, You're like I'm too exhausted to think about this. Shit. <laughs> yeah, I was, I'm gonna I'm buy take something. A nap. <laughs> I'm gonna buy something ten times more expensive than it needs to be. But I think we talked about it the next day. It was like actually I do I do see a lot of those things now. Gotcha. So for me it was a big awareness piece that mm-hmm. I had no clue about. So you had, you identified that. with the results of that yeah, assessment like right, right away. away. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. All right. So uh, Mitch, what else would you add just in general to help fill in some of those blanks of what is an Enneagram nine look like? How do they behave? How do they think? That kind of yeah. Thing. So, um, nine's general motivation is they really want to be settled in the world and have like peace and harmony not only internally, but with others. Um, they tend to focus on making sure that everybody is heard and respected and considered. And they, I mean, big collaborators with other people. Um, they like to go along with, go with the flow and kind of like, Hey, what, what's everybody doing? Let's like, yeah, let's do that. What go with, go along to get along. Um, they, are also focused on being aware of others, other people's agendas and what their plans are. And so that they know how they can best fit into those plans and agendas. Um, and so that's the focus and then worldview, how they show up in the world is the, um, they believe that the world is not a harmonious place where they can fully assert themselves. It's a hard place to want to to show up in the world. And so that's a thing that, um, nines typically need to work on. And then, um, that they also, their worldview is also that people need to treat each other with respect. They have this big respect radar. Um, and when people are not being considerate or being rude, they're like, that's not good. Like, why can't we all just get along kind mm-hmm. of a mentality? Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, that's a really brief overview, but that is the motivations and the focus and the worldview mm-hmm. of a nine. That's funny. I was thinking on my way here today that <laughs> I think if there was a tagline for the nine, it would be that, can't we all just get along? Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah, for get sure. Along. <laughs> and as a, I want to talk about myself for a second, as a six. As you do. Yes. Uh-huh. As a six. But I want to hear what you have to say. You said in the email nines were the best number, so you're excited for this one. I am. We save the last one. For <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We save it. Yeah. For la- the what was the phrase you just the said? Best one for last. Best one for last. 
Um, but I can, I can relate a lot to a nine. Um, and I meet that. Can't we all just get along? There's so many times in the, those, those situations of stress and tension. It's like, Hey, there's a way out of this where everyone went. Right. Uh, but I'm curious for you guys, um, how have you personally found it to be a strength? Like where, where, where have you seen it to be like, it's good to be a nine. This is what I bring. I'm actually going to ask the other one as well. Like, where has it been a challenge? So you can answer that one first if you'd like. <laughs> I'm hesitant. So I just was in the car, the car with Ashley the day. I was like so much about my nineness right now. I'm, I'm frustrated with, I think the good parts are, I think so much of what I do with my job, with working with students, um, comes from a place of my life was like, I just got bullied a lot when I was a, a student, didn't feel like I had people who really looked out for me. So there's a part uh, of, I do what I do because of a lot of the, I mean, honestly, the, the household I grew up in was, was tricky. A lot of people arguing, I had to find my own peace. Mm-hmm. So a lot of why I do what I do is from kind of some, some things that feel like it kind of wired me this way. Like, hey, how do we always see that student who who feels like they might be more on the outsides? How do we always take care of that one student who doesn't have much support? Mm. So I think a lot of how you're tuned in how to I others. function. Yeah, like yeah. I just care a lot about those kids who. But it's tuned into the outsiders. Them. Yes. And I yep. think, it, uh, yeah, I mean, I've, I feel very much the same way. Um, mm-hmm. Tuned into that. Those The people that are on the outside, it's like the people who are popular and upfront already. I'm like, you guys already have those relationships, but I need to make sure these other people are also included and heard as well. Yeah. It's kind of how I usually, mm-hmm. how I viewed it, especially when I was in student ministry, but yeah. sorry to interrupt. Yeah. Keep going. No, that's great. So I think that's probably where I've seen it serve, serve the best. Um, I think even in just relationships with kind of people I get to work with or friends, uh, the role I often play is, is one that I enjoy where it's often getting to hear people listen out what they might have to say, be mm-hmm. there for them. Um, so I think there's there's a lot of good foundational building pieces. That what are, are the good. things that, that bug you that you were talking about? Ah, man. So I I had a, a person who they might have been they did a lot of coaching, uh, counseling stuff, and she came up to me one time. She's like, "What what number are you?" And I was like, "I'm a nine. She's like, "I think you might be. I think nines might have the hardest time." And I was like, "Why do you why do you say that?" <laughs> and she's like, "Because just getting started on something almost feels impossible. Like it's a mm-hmm. big task just to get started in something because our how I like to function is like, I just want to be peaceful Mm -hmm. at baseline. But the moment I have to get out of that comfortability zone, that's usually getting started. So she's like, just for you to get started on the work of being a nine Mm -hmm. and the shadow side and the whatever, that's already hard. Gotcha. And so I think there's a part of me that's like, man, I, some of the things that I'm working on of, of my own drive or how I show up at home or even at my job is just like, everything feels like I have to break through one thing after another. Um, and so there's a lot of things that I'm like, man, I just, how I, my gut reaction of just wanting to respond to these things or, mm-hmm. or act towards these is, is, is not going to get me where I want to go. Right. But that's just how I naturally want to respond of just like, well, I, get, mm-hmm. I don't, I can mow the lawn tomorrow. Maybe <laughs> I, I, like, I just, I always want to choose the easy way out yeah. and that doesn't necessarily lead me to my better self, but that's gotcha. my natural reaction. So it always feels like I'm in tension with, um, kind of choosing something that I don't want to be. Mm-hmm. And it often sounds much more enjoyable just to not do anything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've often heard like, read like it's, it's almost like there's a lot of inertia with, mm. uh, with a nine where it's like, it is that getting started, but it's almost like that, that flywheel mechanism of like, Oh man, this is so much work to get this around. But after you can build it into your routine or whatever it is you like to do, then it doesn't feel 
Mm-hmm. So it's daunting. not so difficult. Okay. So daunting anymore. Yeah. You know, you can just keep going with it. But it is, it's that, that starting. Yeah. yeah I, what, I feel that as well. It's been really interesting for me lately is uh, working with my spiritual advisor. I've hit that moment of having to go through something like miles into this process. It's like, okay, we got started. And then we got to another starting point of discovering another mm. layer of, of who I am or how mm-hmm. I function or, and then it's again, that process of, I got to break through another thing. Mm-hmm. And he's been really great of just helping. Cause I don't always notice it. I'm like, man, I'm, I feel like I'm hitting a block. He's like, I think we're hitting another part where your, your natural way of functioning is starting to say, Hey, this is, this is getting unpeaceful, unsettling. Mm. I start to, I don't even realize I'm necessarily shutting down, but that's what happens. And then it's like, I got to get through another one. So that's some of the things that I've been like, where I'm like, Hey, this is hard because it just feels yeah. like every turn right now I'm facing, um, having to choose mm-hmm. peace over when to move forward or to move forward. Yeah. To yeah. move forward. So yeah. Thanks for sharing that. That's awesome. Yeah. Nicole, what would you say? What are the things that you, you think like this has been great and these are the things that I wish were different? Um, I think overall I've, always kind of been an easygoing person. Um, but I'm realizing the more that I learn about the Enneagram, probably part of the reason I've been easygoing is because I'm fine letting other people's opinions or um, desires mm. bulldoze mine. I'll just default because that keeps the peace and I don't have to argue with you that I actually think this is a better idea. Um, recently, <laughs> I've experienced that work where, you know, when I do actually speak up, Sometimes what I have to say is important and can change the trajectory of something that's Mm -hmm. happening. And I think in the past I'd always just assumed, you know, I'll just go with the flow because that keeps the peace and makes Mm -hmm. things easy. Um, The other thing that Matt was talking about, the um, struggle with getting started, um, the more I read about the Enneagram and, and just learn about myself, I'm realizing that all the procrastination that I've done my whole life is probably part of that. I just don't know how or why I should get started. Mm-hmm. So I just put it off until the next time. And sometimes those tasks that you put off get harder and harder the longer you put them off. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think as I'm growing, I'm learning that just making a small step that, Mitch, I think you've said before, what's that next good thing I can do? Yep. Just making that one step because the then I'm right seeing, step. okay, yeah. I've got some progress. Mm-hmm. How can I build on this to do something bigger, better, you know, more impactful either for me or for a project at work or at my house. Like we've got this big thing we want to do and I don't know how to start it because that's, that's a big thing. Mm -hmm. But if I just take that next right step, it gets me one step closer to Mm -hmm. that big goal. Mm. I'm curious. And, um, I'm curious what you guys think, because (laughs) I I was hearing a a six talk about decision-making the other day and often Sixes, I, th- I think sixes and nines have a lot in common as far as like we're putting something off and maybe it's for different reasons, but it's like, I don't want to make this decision because I can see all the different angles and the ways this could go, but I'm going to finally, I need to make a decision and I, I need to make it soon. When I make that decision, sometimes it's not this sense of relief, like, oh, okay, finally, I, I just, I needed to do it. And then once I did it, sometimes the, the immediate feeling is regret. It's the mm-hmm. sense of like, just because I did what was the right thing to do doesn't mean like, oh, and it worked out so great. Mm. Sometimes there's this immediate feeling of like, oh no, I made the decision because I, I needed to, but this thing could still go south. For a nine, how does it feel when you, f- you finally get that inertia going? Is there an immediate sense of relief? Like, oh, okay, here we go. 
or is it something different? I mean, I, I always, I, for me, sometimes, not all the time, mm -hmm. but there are many times when I'm making a decision, um, especially if it's in more of a pressured situation. Yeah. Um, and even being on the lead team, it's like, I'll make a decision and I'll be like, oh man, what if they don't like this decision? Or what are they going to think about this decision? Or how are they going to interpret how I said and how I talked about <laughs> this decision, um, or here's something I really want to do. And what if they don't like it? And then they're going to push back. And then how am I going to, how am I going to, you know, stand up and stand against that and stand up for what I, my actual opinion that I think is actually the right thing and what we should do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so I think there is a, there's more of this second guessing, but it's more of like concerned about how they, how other people are going to interpret mm -hmm. my decision. Um, and, and I'm like, is this going to rock the boat here? It is. It's like, is this grenade going to go off or not? I don't know. Yeah. I hope it doesn't. Mm -hmm. Hopefully it's a dud. You know, it's, it's yep. almost that like scared anticipation a little bit. Now it's gotten a lot easier for me, the more comfortable I've become in making decisions. Mm -hmm. Um, but there's definitely times still that, um, I'm like, why do I feel almost this anxiety of make about making this decision, but it's, it's gotten a lot easier. The, the more confident mm, I become, the more reps you get on that, the more reps that. you get. And yeah. the, the more I realize like, no, I need to own, I own this decision that I'm making mm -hmm. and, and I fully believe in it and I'm going to stand behind it. Even if it ends up creating some tension, it's we'll, good. we'll it's, cross it's that okay. bridge. Like, yeah. yeah. And it's okay. Tension. Mm -hmm. Like that's how we actually get to something better is actually by having healthy amount of conflict and I think that's what um, nines want to try to avoid is that conflict. And so for me, it's been this, you know, really learning over years and years and years of like conflict isn't bad. Conflict is how we get to what is better. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, so that's, that's how, I, how I would answer that. What, what would you guys say? When you finally make that decision, when you finally get going, is there an immediate sense of relief or is it like, oh, no, buckle up? I think it seriously depends on the decision. Mm -hmm. My husband so often will throw at me, where do you want to eat dinner? I don't know. Sometimes I really, truly don't care. Mm -hmm. But if there's gravity in the, you know, in the decision, it like takes me a lot longer. Holiday or big event or something or like holiday that. Holiday or should we, you know, change how we're doing something? Yeah. I don't, I got to oh, think through all the different things before I can make a decision sure. because I don't want to upset this person or this person because I want to keep that peace. Mm -hmm. And like Mitch, you were talking about conflict. I think Mitch has known me long enough to know that conflict is one of those things that I'm like, no, no, thanks. I'll, I'll pass on that. Mm -hmm. Let's just keep the peace. Right. Um, but the more that I'm learning that my voice does matter and my mm -hmm. opinion does matter in the bigger scheme of things. Um, I think the more I'm willing to speak up and take those chances, make mm -hmm. the decision that maybe normally I would just let go to somebody else. Right. Because maybe that is a direction we need to go. Well, let's talk about instincts. And uh, what I'd love for, for Mitch to do is uh, maybe start with an overview. This is what you've been doing the last mm -hmm. episode. Start with an overview. But then once we get into them, each one, I'd love to pause and then get your, your take. Like, does this feel right? Does this not? And most likely there are going to be some things that you guys strongly relate to, some that you're like kind of, and then possibly even one that you're like, that doesn't resonate at all. But do you want to give us a quick overview first? Yeah, so... 
um, again, the subtypes are self-preservation, social, and one-to-one. And so the social nines, they, they all three nine types of the nine types want to keep the peace um, in some way, in some form. And not, the self-preservation nines, they want to keep the peace by being independent and not letting their issues, their decisions, their agenda, like, uh, burden anybody else. So they want to keep it all to themselves. And so is not to rock the boat. So they keep it all, all to them. And they want to be very independent in that way. The, uh, social nines, they're the counter type. So they're the ones actually trying to push against some of that inertia, some of that, like just going along to get along. They do it in a little bit different way. Um, but they're, they try to keep the peace by focusing on what's good for the whole group and they will work tirelessly in order to help the group, um, in any way they can. And then the, uh, the one-to-one nine, they want to keep the peace by merging with other people. They usually it's a friend or a, you know, the significant relationships in their life. They want to know what is your agenda? What is your plans? And I want to go along with that because then I don't have to, figure it out for myself and I can just go along and that'll be the easiest way to keep the peace. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of a, a real quick overview uh, of them. Um, but diving into the self-preservation nines, uh, this subtype establishes a sense of connection through the reassurance of routines and physical comforts. Um, a couple things you need to know about the, uh, self-pres nines is that they like, they merge with their favorite activity, um, whatever that tends to be. So they find something they really like to do. It could be eating. It could be reading. It could be playing games. It could be watching TV. It could be sleeping. It could be working, whatever their preferred activity is. They, that is like their escape mechanism to keep the peace. Whenever life feels chaotic, they want to, they can retreat to that thing so that they can avoid other, they don't, so they're not burdening other people. They will retreat into their own inner world of peacefulness, uh, mm. doing whatever that activity is. And they want to, they do that to, you know, try to forget themselves to avoid pain whatever it is for them. Um, another thing you need to know about self-pres nines is that they love familiar routines. Um, they, they want familiar routines instead of going out into the world where they may encounter conflict or uncomfortable situations. Um, these routines allow them to maintain their inner peace and avoid the need to explore or feel deep emotions. They, if I can just go along with the routines and let these familiar routines carry me along, I don't have to actually engage all the inner stuff that's going on. And I, that helps keep me at peace because I know what I'm supposed to be doing. Mm. Um, and then the last thing is, uh, is that the self-pressed nines are the most assertive of the nines. They're the most eight-ish nines, but they won't, they won't be confused with an eight, but they're the ones that are most willing to speak up and to speak out about things. Um, they have a more forceful energy. They're also the most uh, irritable and stubborn um, of the of the nines. You know, if somebody tries to push them, they'll be like, or tries to, you know, uh, break in on their autonomy or what they want to do, or tries to tell them what to do. They're like, nope. They might not tell anybody nope, but in their brains, they're thinking... <laughs> I'm out. I, they might say yes, 
but everything inside of them is like, I'm not doing that, but I'm just going to tell you yes. So I can get out of this conversation right now. Because it's Um, creating conflict. Because it's created conflict. (laughs) Yeah. So anyway, that's a quick overview of the self-preservation nine. Gotcha. How, How does that land with you guys? I think that one, that one lands more with me. Uh, I'm a, I'm a nine wing eight. And so I think with that more eightness piece, mm-hmm. uh, I, I think I go about it a little bit a different way. Mine is like, I protect my peace. That's where my eightness comes out. So if something's interrupting that, then I'll, I'll often level up to be like, I got to protect this. So mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of things in there that were, were helpful. Um, they want more. So this type of this, uh, self president also wants more alone time mm-hmm. than the other nines and they will do anything they can to protect that. Hmm. Do you like so to be alone? No. Okay. You don't. Not okay. So much. That's so, totally fine. Yeah. <laughs> it starts to, yeah. Did, you, did you feel that? It gets uncomfortable. That doesn't feel very peaceful. Uh-huh. It's just silence. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, and I want to hear from Nicole, but yeah. I also want to hear from you, Mitch, since you're, you're a nine. But we can start with you, Nicole. Um, that one didn't resonate like everything. There were a couple things that I caught on um, that when the self pres nine will want to pull away so they don't have to express emotion, I will kind of find something that is one of my favorite things to get into. Mm-hmm. But I wouldn't say I'm a forceful eight like nine. Mm-hmm. You're like the sweet, you're the sweet nine. Ah, yeah. thanks, Matt. <laughs> I, don't, I haven't experienced anything mean from you yet. <laughs> Just wait. <laughs> Maybe you haven't known me long enough. Uh-huh. We're coming up on a year. I, I, I don't know if any nine would be like, man, that is the meanest nine. You know, I don't know if there's like, it's like, you know, they might be stubborn and you're like, might be irritated with nine for not moving. But that's about, that's where you get like frustrated with nines. It's because they're not doing anything. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, you've, you've done a lot of work on this, but yeah. when of the three how does that one resonate with yeah, you? Yeah, I mean, this one this one is me. Um, I definitely resonate with the self-prez. I love my routines. Um, it's interesting. Before I had this language, uh, there would be times, there was years where just even trying to figure out um, school carpool schedule. And I feel like it's, it. there was a couple of years where it was like changing every week and like Becky's work schedule would change every week. And so that was really, really disruptive to my rhythm and my routine. Mm-hmm. Um, and I felt like, and I, so I felt like I could never get in a groove. And so I felt like that inertia of like, Oh my gosh, I have to start over. And it's, and I'm like, it's not that big of a deal. Like in my mind is like, it's not that big of a deal, but then everything inside of me is like, it's a lot of mental energy for me to try to figure out and how am I going to fit this and create this new routine with this mm. new schedule, mm-hmm. and new thing. Um, and so that was very difficult for me. So like that piece of it, um, you know, I've talked on here before. I love board games. Um, that is definitely my preferred activity, but that I also like incorporating other people yeah. in on that, you know, and, and mm. like, that's where I like to enjoy people. Um, and so anyway, I, this, this definitely resonates with me mm-hmm. the most. Yeah. Mm. So you said it's the most assertive. I'm curious, how do nines express anger? They don't very okay. well. <laughs> um, it's usually, it's usually passive aggressive when it, when it is, um, it's like, I want to tell you this, but I'm not going to tell you. So I'm just not going to do it. Okay. Or I'm going to, 
it's like they think about all the things that they wish they would have said or want to say, but will never say. Um, and so it usually it comes with avoidance, um, more than anything else. Mm-hmm. I don't know what you guys would say if you say how a nine expresses anger. I mean, one of the key things a nine needs to do is to work on getting in touch with their anger and being okay with it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, so I've done, been in, done lots of counseling, um, <laughs> and, and it's been incredibly helpful for me to get in touch with my anger, um, in, because anger is actually what creates the action. The anger is that motivate. It's almost this motivating force to move through the inertia to act. And so the more you can become in touch with your, you know, our, our body and our anger, <laughs> the more we are freer to act. And I, um, I remember in counseling my, the, the counselor, she, she said, uh, Mitch, you just keep saying you're frustrated about this or frustrated about that. And, and she's like, and I think you're actually really pissed off about it. And so you need to say that you're pissed about this and it really angers you and really upsets you. Um, and how, how did you respond to that? I was like, oh, wow. Well, I mean, it was, mm-hmm. uh, it was very, I mean, cause it's so out of character for how I would want to respond. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, she said, I need you to go and I need you to write, write out like, this a letter to this person and I w- I need you to use every expletive you want to use in it and just get out all your emotion in this letter. You're never going to send it, but just get it all out. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so that was incredibly helpful. And then I had to read it to her, which was very uncomfortable, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but it, it was one of those things. It's like, Oh wow. That's, that was part of my journey of, me realizing, oh, I need to, I need to, to bring that out more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I, I want to ask this question, but I don't know if I should wait until later. You can, but I want to know from you, like, how did your, how do those closest to you know that you're upset? Well, that one's easy. Okay. <laughs> My husband's called me out on it so many times. When you're angry, you go clean. And oh. I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, okay. So I can't verbalize what I'm feeling inside. So Mm -hmm. I just go clean. I'll go do the dishes that are sitting there or that's when the floors get clean when they maybe need to, maybe don't need to. I'll Mm -hmm. go do the laundry because I can't put the words out because number one, that creates conflict because Mm -hmm. you might get upset. Um, But sometimes I just can't put into words what's going on inside me. Mm -hmm. So I don't say anything and then I just go get busy cleaning or so you, doing you put that energy busy. into those things yeah, yeah. it's Got all it. it's like a would you describe it kind of like a, oh as a with you're still withdrawing oh yeah i don't want i don't want to talk about you're it like, guys let's go clean the kitchen you're like let's go <laughs> <laughs> i don't want to talk about it but i need to get what's because i can feel adrenaline when i get angry well and it's is it a, and it's uncomfortable is it uncomfortable yeah yeah, yeah. so i'm like i gotta get this adrenaline out so i'm gonna go clean you know be physical mm-hmm and that's so nines are very uncomfortable with anger yeah. because that's when you, when you're doing that, you, that is what you, that's that feeling and nines want to have an equilibrium. They want to be completely balanced in harmony 
at all times. And so any, they don't want to have high highs. They don't want to have low lows. They just want to be right here, right in the middle, you know? And so feeling that it's like, oh my gosh, I've got to get this out. Or, or you, it's almost this for me anyway, it's like afraid what is going to happen if I actually experience what's inside right now. So anyway, I don't or know. if I say something, is it going to build and your reaction is going to be bad, then I'm going to have to deal with these even more or for a longer time. Like because, a, you're worse off than yeah. you were before. If you just, like didn't if say I anything. just stuff this and yeah. not deal with it, yeah. it'll go away. Mm-hmm. And in our mm-hmm. house, the weird thing is it does, it doesn't mm. surface again. So, mm. I so don't know. Matt, how do you, how do people know that you're, yeah. you're upset? Similar. There's a withdrawal. While is it, is out. it that you don't return texts? Because I've experienced, yeah. I've that experienced that. That's a fact. <laughs> I mean, me and you only went like a month without me reti- returning a text. <laughs> Sorry, I just had to get that one in there. Uh, I had I mean, a note here I to bring it. that up, bring texting up with Matt. Okay, You're going to make him angry, though. You just, just made see. a lot of people happy by calling me out. <laughs> okay, so how do people know you're you're upset? You're uh, I think there's a withdrawal piece, uh, like a checkout, except mine's less action-orientated. I mean, maybe it's working out, but it mostly is going to be like, I just want to sit on the couch and do something on my phone, just something. But uh, on a more funny, like I've been breathing more when I get frustrated, like just try to try to feel it because mm-hmm. my, mm-hmm. my pattern in the past was just let it bottle it up. And then I'm blowing up about something ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, so now it's like, all right, and then I turn around and my one year old's like, you know, copying me <laughs> breathing as I'm trying to just like feel uh-huh. uh, some of the things that I'm angry about. Um, so that's, that's you get right quiet then, and generally I'll get, get quieter. Quiet. And now I apparently breathe a lot, like <laughs> <laughs> intentional breathing. I'm frustrated all the time. Uh-huh. Yeah. So that's that's more of how it's changed. Very cool. So sorry, I don't. I just that's interesting to me, especially this this really uh, uncomfortable relationship with anger. I'm just curious what that looks like. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there may even be some variances depending on subtypes and stuff. But I just wanted to. Yeah, well, I mean. If, if you that. think about it, what's interesting is, I mean, we're nines are in the anger triad, the body mm-hmm. triad, right? And it is very, they call it contradicted. It's, it's this, we recognize it, but don't know what to do with it and don't want this anger. Whereas not, or as eights, they externalize their anger. It is put into direct action and moving forward. Whereas for the ones they're internal, they don't like the anger. They still internalize it. And then it ends up spilling out more as like resentment, but it still drives them to be the best and to better themselves. Whereas the nines are like, I don't know what to do with this anger. I'm just going to stuff what it in there. I, and I don't know what do I do. Hopefully it goes away. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. I don't, you know, you know, it's really funny. Mitch is, I think we've even brought this up on another podcast. But um, if I'm ever at a restaurant with you, I I feel like I experience you you like practicing using your voice <laughs> to express what you want, what you don't want. Like it might be like yeah. they're going through the specials and it's like, and we have a blah, blah, blah. And you're like, I don't want that. I do not want that. And it's like, you don't, not everyone is saying that. No one's saying, do you want this or not? It's, it's like you're verbalizing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah so. I do. I want to build rapport by asking them at least one question about the meal. Mm-hmm. And then I want to declare what I want with authority. <laughs> so, why? Because your opinion matters. My opinion yes. matters, and everyone will know. Everyone will know. <laughs> okay, so let's let's keep going on. Okay. Real quick, or moving I, on. I had a, uh, I had a, a thought though. Yeah. I'm curious. This is my own story, but a lot of I think how I became a nine was because of my my negative experience with anger. 
in, mm-hmm. in other people. And so I don't know if that's a similar story uh, that nines often experience, but I think what so you was, experience other, someone else's anger that made you go, I'm not doing that. Yeah. That was like, I don't want to do that or, or be that to someone else. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think what was a turning point for me was someone was talking about, Hey, anger is like gasoline. It's this concept of gas can be used to burn a house down or mm-hmm. fuel a car. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, so mm-hmm. I always had this feeling of anger's only bad. That's good. And so now in, in my, you know, 20 plus years after being removed from my family, it's like now I'm working on figuring out how to be angry as an adult Wait. because I never, it was always a bad mm-hmm. thing growing up. And now I'm like, actually it can be, can be a good thing, but it's always been negative until that realization happened. Mm-hmm. No, that's, I mean, that's actually, that's a great analogy um, because it is, it's more of this hot energy, if you want to call it that inside mm-hmm. of, it's like this driving energy inside of us, um, especially in the eights, nines and ones, but nines don't know what to do with it. <laughs> you put it in the car, to make yeah. it go. Oh, <laughs> it's learning. Yeah. <laughs> All, right. All right. Should we move to Let's social? Let's do it. All right. So, the, the social nines, this subtype actively connects to groups and others. They want to ensure that the group dynamics are peaceful and that other, everybody is settled and is having a good time. Uh, so the things you need to know is that they tend to merge with a group, not just uh, not just an individual um, or with an activity. They merge with this entire group. And so they will actually serve and serve and serve this group. In fact, this subtype can can almost become an, a workaholic um, more than any other uh, type out there. Um, they want to serve more this than group. any other number. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Because they are so dedicated to this group, they can they they are willing to sacrifice themselves to become a part of and to be everything they can to this group. But the the kind of the secret behind all of that is they have this underlying doubt that they actually belong to this group. And so they're trying to almost prove that I am willing to sacrifice anything so that they can have that sense of belonging. Um, and so, uh, another thing you need to know is that, uh, out of all the nines that these, this is the most outgoing of all the nines. Um, they want to be, they love relationships. They're incredibly, um, connected with people. They're really good negotiators. Um, in nines by nature are really good at seeing, like hearing out everybody's opinions and seeing things from multiple perspectives. Well, this one being social can then take all those perspectives and figure out how do I create the best win-win situation for this group Mm -hmm. and make sure this group is cohesive and collaborative and moving forward. Um, and then the last thing you need to know about the, the social nines, uh, is they're, they're positive, but they're also very detached from their emotions. Um, beneath their positive and extroverted personality, they have this feeling of actually melancholy and sadness, um, that is actually seated in that they feel like they don't really belong to that group. Um, so again, they're trying to almost prove that they belong. And then, um, they're typically very detached from their emotions, uh, even more than the other two nines. Mm -hmm. Um, and because they want to just show there can almost be like a seven, in the fact that they just want to be very positive or a two that want to be very positive and forward facing in that, but they, they want to just be neutral with their emotion 
and then have a hat put on the happy face for everybody else mm. so that the group can be at peace. Mm-hmm. So how does that one resonate with you guys? I feel like Mitch just put a mirror up in oh, front really? of me. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's me. And actually some of, some of the things you were saying about the nine, the social nine, um, doing whatever they can to keep the group cohesive and whole Maybe part of why when I take a test, it said I was a two hmm. was because some of the behaviors mm-hmm. would indicate, oh, she's doing that for other people, but the motivation may not be the same. Mm-hmm. But almost everything you said about the social line, I was yeah. like, okay, okay. Not, not as much the melancholy, like sitting in. But it's, it's, they almost, uh, unless you've done a lot of work, you may not even realize that it's there or that's the motivation gotcha. for the, for the serving of the group. And maybe it's not there, Yeah. but, but it, there's this, it's like, uh, I, do you feel like this disconnect, like you disconnected from the group or you want to prove that you do belong to this two uh, different groups that you're a part of? I think it depends on the length of time I've been with the group. I think when I'm newer in a group, yeah. Like when I first joined the staff at Rocky, definitely felt like, oh, I don't, I don't know that I belong here. Mm-hmm. I got to work harder to to prove that I'm really supposed to be here. And how long? And that's never long been a verbalization from anybody else. Sure. When, um, what year did you start? I started working at Rocky in 2016. Okay. Very part time in a childcare role. Mm-hmm. And I mean, what I know of, of your time here, you've worked with a lot of different teams as far as the team has evolved and changed a lot, yeah. specifically within your department, but also the, the Frederick campus as a whole has changed. And a you've lot. you've made it work every single time, maybe to that point of like whatever group you find yourself in, you're going to figure it out to where it's like we're going to make this dynamic be good mm-hmm. yeah. and peaceful. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, Matt, I'm curious, you hear the social. Is it like. Does that resonate similarly to the uh, self-preservation one? Um, I think a little less for me. I mean, I, I love the the social aspect. I'm a, I'm a big people first. I love getting to know people, spend spend time. I love the relational aspect. Um, I think, though, the for me, like, <laughs> there's a book out there that's like, hey, when you get to heaven, an act of worship is working. And I was like, this, there's no way this book's true. <laughs> so when, you were, when you were talking a little bit about the, like, they are deeply connected to you know the work. Uh, I was like, I think it might maybe lost me there, mm-hmm. but I still appreciate that that <laughs> aspect. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think it just. I, I was curious a little bit about uh, the social piece. You still could be an introvert and be this type of this the, subtype of the nine, social. Yeah. The social nine is probably extroverted. Okay. Um, more than introverted. Would you, have you ever done a Myers-Briggs, Nicole? It's been a long time. Would you, would you describe yourself more as extroverted or introverted? More ex, I'm an ambivert. (laughs) I need both. What does that mean? (laughs) That's that's like, I, I need the extroversion, but I have some times where like I've had enough. I got to go unplug. Mm -hmm. So I, I have a need in my soul for both. Most Mm -hmm. of the time though, I operate as an extrovert. Mm Mm-hmm. Gotcha. So, I mean, what's interesting what you're saying, Matt, is, um, you know, all all nines actually, uh, like, maybe I won't say it that strongly. The majority of nines are going to approach the world 
through feelings and their heart and relationships. They're, that's how they approach. Even though we're in the gut body action triad, we actually approach the world more through relationship and caring about relationships. So all the nines care way more about the relational connection um, than they do mm. about than just getting stuff done. Mm. It's not, a, it's not about the getting stuff done as much as it is about the relationship where, but for the social, it's not an, in more, it's not as much individual relationship as it is the group relate, like group dynamic. Not that you don't care about individual relationships, but it's like, how is this group doing? How is my family unit doing? How is it? And how can I bring them together and try to create peace and harmony in this, in these situations? Um, whereas the self-pres is like, how can I make sure I maintain peace and harmony instead of how can this group maintain peace and harmony? Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm laughing because that when you were, I, when I walked in, I played that song and mm-hmm. you're like, we're going to dive into that. That mm-hmm. I think that's it is because my peace was, was taken care of when I came in being like, this is going to be a fun environment. We're going to have a good time. And I'm playing the song and that wasn't necessarily, I mean, I wasn't necessarily thinking about everyone in the room, mm-hmm. but then thinking about this one, that's where, I'm laughing just because I'm like, yeah, I don't, I don't always think for the betterment of the group. Mm. Yeah. But you care about environment. I do. Yeah. 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 And I would say self-pres nines care a lot about the environment. I'm always reading the environment and wanting to make sure the environment is peaceful mm. primarily because that's what, how I, I am at mm. peace when the environment is at peace. Mm-hmm. And so when I remember being in, in student ministry, I would make sure, and even in groups now, I'm like, I want to make sure the tables are all evenly spaced and the chairs are nice and that everything is decorated and like everything is nice. So when people walk in, this is like, this is a nice and peaceful environment. That's that really I get interesting to be a part of. Because I think normally people would hear that behavior and say, that's OCD. Like Things have to be perfect for perfect sake. They have mm-hmm. to be just so because that's the right way for the, that's not your motivation. No, my, my motivation is I want them to have the best experience. And, and I, and this is, you know, where it becomes faulty is like the best experience is a peaceful experience for them and to, to feel comfortable in this, not, not to be like, Hey, we're going to take a nap, but they, they're going to feel <laughs> comfortable in this environment. Uh-huh. Um, no matter what the environment is, even if it's crazy and chaotic and fun, like we're doing something super big and fun, I still want it to be a comfortable, not awkward uh, environment. Mm-hmm. For everyone to feel like they should be there. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Very Same. cool. Very cool. Okay. Are we ready to go to one-on-one? Okay. Let's do, do it. it. Um, the one-on-one, they uh, try to keep the peace by merging with others. Um, the subtype establishes a sense of connection through merging with their with significant other people. So a couple things we need to know about the one-to-ones is, again, that, that merging with relationships. Um, they actually search for their passion through other people. They don't really know what their passion is or their purpose is. And so they try to find it actually in connecting with other people. And, um, and they are driven by like this uncertainty of who they are and what they really want out of life. So they connect with other people so that they can provide, so that they have a sense of purpose. This other person is providing that for them. Um, they may lack structure in their life because of this indecisiveness and, um, insufficient clarity, uh, and they may question who they are and what they want. 
Um, so an- another thing you need to know is that this is actually the, the least assertive uh, nine and they come across very like they're non-judgmental. They're very supportive of others. They're great listeners, um, but asserting themselves, it does not come naturally. And, and so that's very difficult for them. And la- last thing you need to know is that they adopt, tend to adopt other people's viewpoints. Again, this is that merging concept again, um, but in close relationships, they tend to be almost boundaryless in, in adopting the behavior or the attitudes or the viewpoints or even the feelings of their partner and close friends so that they can feel like they, that is their sense of identity is this other person. Um, and this can, I mean, obviously become very problematic, uh, when the other person wants them to bring their full self into the relationship and they're not, all they're doing is like almost this mirroring, um, with this other person or going along so much that they don't even know what they like or what they want and what they, uh, and what they're bringing. Um, and then again, with that, like separation and isolation from those significant other people in their life is very difficult for them because then they're like, well, then who am I mm. apart from this, apart from these other people? So that, that's kind of a brief overview of the mm-hmm. one-on-one. Yeah. Mm. How's that say with you guys? For me, it was, uh, I related a lot to that and it, it led me to a question of, can someone change subtypes over time? So, um, one of the things we talk about in, in most of the podcasts is we talk about the concept of stacking and there's typically going to be one primary subtype that you are trying to get through life utilizing that you're leaning into the most. And then there's one, there's probably one where you like swing to and use also um, to help navigate situations. And then there's probably one that you underutilize or don't use at all. And so, for example, for me, um, this one is my, the one I swing to, uh, the one-to-one is like, I, I want to make sure I, I, I've had to spend a lot of time trying to figure out who I am, what I want, you know, what I actually care about. Um, I remember when I, graduated high school. I went to Sweden for a year. And while I was there, my big question to myself is who is Mitch Comstat? I'm like, I have no idea who I am, what I want to do, what I like. I mean, I didn't know anything because I had merged basically with other people in my life and went through a whole punk rock phase and all this stuff. But it was just because, Hey, some of my friends were doing this and this would be an easy thing to jump into. Um, and then I was like, Oh, what if I stripped all that away, who am I? Um, and for me, the big thing, um, uh, this is coming, you know, bringing in the gospel for me is like, I found out that I was a child of God and that, um, and I can find my identity and I can merge with him and what he's calling me to do. And so I found my sense of purpose and identity and everything in Christ. And uh, so that was a big eye-opener thing for me and not trying to merge with all these other people in my life, but to merge with him and, mm. and see what he has for me. So anyway, that was, I mean, uh, mm. so that for me, what, what would you guys say? Yeah. But is it possible to kind of evolve over time where it's like, yeah, definitely maybe a lead with that self-prez but I need to grow in this other I, one. I think so. I, I I think you can definitely develop these other 
subtypes or utilize them. And so I think there might be seasons of life where you lean into one a lot harder than other ones. Mm. Um, so, but I think there's probably one primary there still that you default to. Um, but you, there may be other ones where you're like, oh, wow, this one helped me get through my younger years. And now I'm really leaning into this one in my later years. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. That I, I asked that question. Cause I'm like the, the one you just mentioned, the one-on-one, if you're out there and you're a one-on-one, this isn't a shot at you. But I think for me that those are places that, uh, that's how I functioned and was able to get by life younger mm-hmm. when things are just like, I'm going to merge because I need peace. Cause there's no peace anywhere. Mm-hmm. And now it feels like, what served me well at one point in time was this one-on-one, but that isn't going to help me now as a, a husband, a dad, uh, a, a leader. I have to find a more assertive way mm-hmm. to just get myself moving, to discover mm-hmm. more of who I am. So that's why I was curious about this change is because that that almost describes kind of like the first part I was talking about where I, this is what I'm trying to fight against because they haven't served me well, although I do for believe for some people they'd be really great. Mm. But for me, it's been a challenge to like, that's all. that's a lot of not favorite memories and moments in that space. And, so I'm moving to a different mm-hmm. spot. And it also, it also could be that like, maybe it is one-to-one is your natural, but at, but as you've grown and matured, you've, you realize, okay, here are the downsides of that. And mm-hmm. here's what I need to work on. And, and you're actually, you're taking, you know, you're become more self-aware and taking those steps to discover more of who you are and getting out of that and not letting that be, that just coasting through life uh, merged with somebody else and recognizing, oh, I need to do that. That's the, that's the power of recognizing this. None of these are, you know, perfect in and of themselves. You know, it is a recognition. Oh, this is what I typically do. Merging with an activity and routine is good for me, but mm-hmm. uh, f- for my own sanity and peace. But at the same time, if that's all I did, I would never experience the joy of spontaneity and all this other stuff. You know, I used to have a joke that I'm spontaneous on Saturdays between three and 4 PM. Um, and so it's like one of those things is like, I, I need to, you know, broaden that for myself. So I'm not just stuck in a routine. And, um, if you're wondering how to do that, just have some kids, they destroy all sense of routine. Yeah. So correct. Mm -hmm. Nicole, how does the one-on-one resonate with you? Um, I feel like I have had periods in my life where maybe I've merged more with an individual person, but it's not not been a default. I think the part about the uh, one-to-one that spoke to me the most was the being the least assertive. I've never been an assertive person. Um, being in my role now, I've been challenged a lot to mm-hmm. be assertive and speak up and um, you know, give input, even if I don't think it's going to make a difference or mm-hmm. it matters just to assert what I think is important. Um, but I think merging with other people constantly has not really been something that I've done mm-hmm. maybe in periods with one or two people, but not, yeah. that's not my default that I go to. It's more about the, the group. Mm-hmm. When you were talking earlier about like, if I have to make a dinner selection, like I got to assert my opinion <sighs> on these things. Ash realized, my wife realized early on, I'm not great at that. So she'd be like, here's your five options. Take away <laughs> one. I'll take away one. You take one. Or here's your three options. Choose one. Because then it was like I got whittled down, and that was like my my assertive journey start. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Taco Bell, McDonald's, or Subway. 
The start of your sort of journey today was <laughs> Taco to do Bell. with fast food. <laughs> yeah, fast you know, food. I, I would imagine this hearing, you know, up until this point that, in, I mean, until you start to uncover some of these things where it's like, ah, oh, that's not great. That's not great. I would imagine nines are really likable. Like people like nines. Yeah. Uh, that's just <laughs> we they love us yeah no i mean think about it it's like there's gonna be the probably the least amount of tension or friction in general um and they're going to generally they're going to want what's best for the other people now we, we what we know is it's for unhealthy reasons mm-hmm. right and we still need to grow in that but i'd imagine most people really really enjoy being around nines mitch i'd love to know to get us started on how do we grow like you you know, Matt, you said often with the Enneagram, it can say, look at all these ugly things about, you know, this type, but also it sheds light into, but you don't have to stay there. Mm-hmm. And there's these growth opportunities. I'd love to know. Um, and I want to guys be thinking about like maybe things that you've done specifically that have helped you, but what are practical ways that people can start moving forward to being a healthier version of that type nine? Mm-hmm. I, mean, I mean, we've talked about a couple of them. I mean, it's really getting in touch with your anger. Um, and it is recognizing that when you're angry and actually calling it, I am angry right now and actually being able to say that, um, and then communicate it in a way and realize like, Oh, I, we, I can have some conflict for me. It's been like a reframing of conflict because I've, uh, I used to, you know, dread having to give negative feedback to somebody, but now it's like, I have to reframe like I'm actually getting to help this person Mm. grow and take their next step in their leadership journey. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I'm not doing them any disservice if I don't share this with them. And so I've had to really reframe it because I would put it off and put it off and put it off and put it off and try to avoid it, you know, um, in order to keep the peace and then just pray, Lord, make this go away. And then it never, <laughs> it never goes away. Uh, you have to, you have to do something about it. Right. Um, and then another thing is really, uh, spend some time getting to know who you are and what your desires are. Even if you start a list of like, here are things that Mitch likes, you know, and here in writing out, um, trying to, trying to define, Hey, what is, what is my mission and purpose in life? You know, what is God calling me to in my life? Um, what, is, what are my God-given gifts? And then what are my, what do I actually value? And how do I, what are the values that I want to stand behind and say, this is a part of who I am. I have a set of seven I am statements that I say to myself every single day mm-hmm. as a reminder of this is who I am and how I want to show up in this world. Mm-hmm. Um and, you know, wh- one of them is I'm a courageous and intentional leader. And today I'm going to do the next hard thing. And I have to remind myself, like, that is who I, it's more of an aspirational value, but it's like, hey, th- but it actually, when I say that, I'm like, okay, it almost gives me permission mm-hmm. to do that hard thing. Mm-hmm. Next but then it life. becomes a true thing. Right. Then it becomes a true thing. Yeah. Mm. And so, um, and then another thing is, I mean, I, I have lots of things for nines that we can, it's you great. Guys, we, can work it's great. we have lots uh, of room for growth. <laughs> um, but the, another one is, is like figure out how to, uh, prioritize your tasks because oftentimes it can be very easy to fall back into the routine of what is easy 
and negate the things that are more difficult because of the inertia thing that we've been talking about the whole episode of like, oh, I have to start this thing. But I'm going to check some email. Because this is easy. Because I already know that and that's easy and I look mm-hmm. like I'm, be- I'm busy right now. Um, but no, we need to really start on this thing. So one of the things I do is I actually have a little card and uh, one of our staff values is go get it. And it's just like, hey, work. <laughs> we need to, we need to you know, prioritize what's most important and go after that thing. And so I actually have a little note card and I write go and on one side and get it on the other side. And I write down, here are the one or two things that I must get done today before I leave work on the go side. And then on the get it side, like if I get the go stuff done, I can do the get it side. Um, and so that helps me prioritize what is most important right now. Um, and I think that's also an important thing for nines is like it, it, it it's easy to fall back into those easy routines. Um, actually, Mitch gave me his list of seven statements. The second one he says is, I am a beautiful, gorgeous man. Why? And I, I yeah. think that's really important for you to say every day. I, I, I needed, I need to hear that. Um, <laughs> I'm kidding, Matt. That's not the, no, that's not his, that's, I just envision him in the kitchen wow. making coffee. <laughs> I'm saying it and gorgeous man. I am man. smart. Good job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I am funny. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So I would love to know from you guys, what has been something that, that's, that's been helpful? That's well, helped think, you be a healthier person. Sorry. I think we got to treat as staff actually um, and got to study with Mitch, the Enneagram. And he really did some challenging for each of us in our, one in our roles, but two personally, you know, put some things out there and made us really think about, okay, what is it that you feel like you're struggling with as a person? Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, around the Enneagram, what, here's some work action steps that you can make. And I think just really pointing those out, I mean, you're not mm-hmm. going to find them on your own mm-hmm. all the time, but just talking with people that know more about the Enneagram and how you can grow and move forward and recognize, um, you know, those things within yourself that I just spaced the word. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, being yeah. more self-aware, yeah. mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. seeing those things in yourself and saying, oh, that's one of those things that I need to watch out for. Because There's red flags that... That you know that you struggle with. Yeah. This yeah. is something I struggle with and I've got tools. I know how I can move forward from it and I just need to do the next right thing right. to be able to move on and become a better me. Because mm-hmm. if I stay where I am right now, I'm not growing. I'm mm-hmm. just stuck. Yeah. Matt, anything you'd, you'd add? I know we've um, already talked about a few practical things. Yeah. I was trying, I might butcher this quote, but it was something like um, kind of delaying the inevitable to obtain peace is just delaying me actually getting true peace. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that that kind of, there's a lot of really great practical things that both Nicole and Mitch mentioned that I think you can dive into about decision-making and emotions. Um, I think one that was helpful for me with emotions was, uh, it was like, I'll, the goal was every day to try to check in with myself and say, hey, what are the core emotions I'm feeling today? And it, the core ones are sad, angry, scared, happy, excited, tender. What of those am I feeling? Just mm-hmm. acknowledge how, I, again, just that checking in of mm-hmm. how am I doing. So that that for me was pretty pivotal. But I think a lot of coaching. Uh, nine, Like you mentioned earlier, nines often can see a lot of other people's point of view. And it's very hard for us to understand our own or see what's going on inside of us. So for me, it's been very helpful to have coaching other people come in Um and then I think also being at a, a place that's a, that that wants to hear my voice mm-hmm. for a long time I was like I don't 
I don't have anything to add to this. I don't have value. I'm not going to say anything, but having someone be like, Hey, what, what are your thoughts, Nick? Mm -hmm. That, that to me was very valuable of someone saying, is calling me out. Is that. that freeing or is that threatening? When someone says, what is your opinion? Yeah. I think for me it's freeing. Mm -hmm. Um, because I think it's the, it's the relational piece of, I'm going to assume that you want to know my answer because you value our relationship. That's mm -hmm. where I'm coming from. Um, and I think just how I'm wired, it's going to be in a way that even if it's a controversial topic, it's still going to be in a way that's founded in my, my way of treating people as people first mm -hmm. type of deal. So for me, it's an invitation to, to be able to have my voice heard that sometimes I have the inner voice. It's like, you're not, you don't have anything to add to this. Yeah. So mm. those are a couple of things I'd add on to that. I would totally agree with that too. Having that invitation, somebody saying, what do you think? Or what's your opinion? What do you have to add? Mm-hmm is crucial in actually getting that thought moving because it's like the doing mm -hmm. it's the, how do I share what I'm thinking piece? Also what I'm gathering from what you guys have said, it's asking that opinion, but then giving you unpressured space to, to respond. Like I would imagine if it's like, what do you think, Nicole? Come on. We need to know. Like where I'll, I'll tell you next week. That's yeah. usually my answer. So, so I think that that's something that's important for me. If you have a nine you know, person in your life, that they do want to share their opinion, but they're going to want to be invited into it and then given the space to, and I'm not saying every decision, every opinion is going to need a week, yeah. but probably an unpressured patient question, you know, mm -hmm. uh, Mitch, I'm curious uh, when it comes to the gospel, you've already, you already mentioned how uh, the gospel has helped you, but what is it about Jesus or, or, or the gospel that, 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 that helps you be a, a better version of yourself as a nine? You know, I think we were just talking about even just this invitation piece and Jesus sees the least of these and he calls them and invites them in. And I think sometimes uh, I'll speak for myself, like as an, as a nine, it's easy for me to look at myself as a least of these. Um, mm -hmm. And Jesus has invited me in and he's like, Hey, you, I want you to be a part of what I'm doing. And I want to give you a purpose and you have value. Um, and I want, I, I want to hear from you, but other people, mm. other people need to hear you. And, um, and I need you to go out and share, mm -hmm. share with other people. Um, and so I think, you know, for me, it's, it's finding my true identity in Christ and knowing that I don't have to look into things. I don't have to look to a group. I don't have to look to an individual. Um, often I remember, I mean, I do this frequently, but still, but there was times in ministry where I would get caught up. I'm like, what is this? What does my boss want? What does Sean want? What mm -hmm. does Alan want? What do these people want? And I want to do that. And I, I would get caught up so, and working so hard for that person doing that thing. I'm like, what am I doing? It's not about them. Like what I'm doing isn't, isn't for them. It's for Jesus. And I needed to have that perspective shift of I'm doing this, I'm doing this for him. And I, that frees me up to just to actually be me and to merge, if you will, yeah. right. With, with Jesus, instead of with trying to do what everybody else wants me to do and do what Jesus is calling me to do. So for me, that's been a, a huge thing for the God with the gospel. And then also recognizing that Jesus didn't also didn't shy away from difficult situations and conflict 
um, encourages me that I need to step into those difficult situations and conflict as well. So, mm-hmm. Right on. Well, um, I don't know if you have any closing thoughts, um, but I'd love to hear because you've already, I think as a nine, yeah. you have uh, an advantage, uh, you know, in this conversation to say, it's like, you've done a lot of work. Mm-hmm. So there's, you've already said so much, both giving us an insight into the way an Enneagram nine would think and feel, but also those practical tips. Mm-hmm. Um, and before he does that, I would like to say, thank you guys for sharing your voice and adding, I mean, we were chatting. It's like, what do you want me to say when it's like, just, just share your experiences. And I feel like you guys have done that. And uh, it is really important for, for nines to be able to communicate. It's like, this is what I'm thinking. This is what I'm feeling. These are my opinions because you guys have valuable information to, to give. And we've experienced that on our team, on our staff. I would just say, keep going. Like we need to hear even more from you guys. Cause you have a lot to offer your perspective on the way lots of different people think is really needed in a lot of conversations. So thank you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thanks. Yeah. Any final thoughts? Any final words? Um, I mean, the only the only thing I will I'll reiterate, which you just mentioned, is that your guys' voice matters and to speak up. And um, people do need to hear what's going on. And sometimes we, as nines, need to not just wait for the invitation, but we need to take the initiative and to assert ourselves into that into conversations and actually speak up first. Um, you know, one of the things I try to do is I'm like, okay, I'm going to be the first to share when mm-hmm. a, something comes up mm-hmm. because the longer it goes, the more likely I'm like going to ha- just wait until somebody calls on me. Nope. But if I'm like, Nope, I'm going to share first. So it's one of those, it's a mentality shift, but mm-hmm. everybody, ne- every, people need to hear what's going on. Um, and then I would also say, I, I don't know for you guys, but like I, there's been several times in my life where I will share my opinion and then I'll think about it after I share in a meeting. And I'm like, I think the exact opposite of what I just said. <laughs> um, and so, and so for me, I've like had to go back and, and, you know, not be afraid to say, Hey, you know what? After processing that, here's what I actually think. You about know, it's it. interesting mm-hmm. that I've, I've witnessed that once or twice in a mm-hmm. lead team conversation. And sometimes coming back to this conversation saying, I want to add a little bit, little bit more, or I want I actually have a, a change in my viewpoint. That is still incredibly helpful. It's, I don't think you have to be afraid of this sense of like, Oh crap. Mm-hmm. I'm saying the exact opposite of what I said. It actually most likely in, in our experience, every time it's been, this is needed because mm. this aspect of the conversation was missed before. Mm-hmm. So I think you can have a confidence to go back and say, I need to say this. Yeah. Well, that's what, that's what I'm realizing is like, oh no, I need, I need to be willing to go and back and share that, but do it with confidence. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right on. Well, thanks so much. Thanks, man. Thank you guys for being on the show. Thank you guys for watching, for listening. Next week, we're going to be looking Enneagram tens. (laughs) Ah, just (laughs) kidding. Just kidding. Dude, that would be awesome, man. Yeah. There's another one. We just introduce another one. Yeah. No, I think, I think nine is enough with the three subtypes of the nines. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, but thank you for all the work you've put into this. I mean, I'm looking at your notes across there. Those are notes that you created mm-hmm. and you printed it out and all the, the categories. So really, really helpful. If you're watching and you have gotten something out of this, please share it. We've seen that people are sharing it and the conversation is, 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 is growing. And uh, these are available on YouTube and of course on Spotify and Apple Music. Is it Apple? No, it's Apple Podcasts. 
Sorry, you can tell that I don't. Yeah, it's Apple Podcasts. Uh, But it's on all those platforms. You can share it and and make sure that people listen to it, watch it, and get a lot out of it. But love you guys. Thank you for joining us. And join us next time on Rocky and Scripted.